Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. It's certainly good to be here. That was wonderful, brother. Behind the times a little bit, we've now done 27 books, but that's okay. I, I want to do something I d- have done basically every service in the last 20 years uh, is to introduce a book that we put together and it came about because I was concerned about the amount of people dying in not just the nation of Australia but around the world and dying of a d- disease called cancer. How many people know somebody that has either had cancer or died of cancer? Come on, let me see your hand. That's nearly everybody. How many people do you know that's died of COVID? Uh, not many. Not many. Some people. All right. A- and so uh, my brother died of um, cancer. My uncle died of cancer. My father-in-law died of cancer. And a lot of other people uh, fr- uh, throughout the years. And this book here is Cancer Defeated Foe. It's got seven testimonies of seven different people healed of terminal cancer. It's a great form of evangelism. If you know somebody with cancer, I can guarantee they don't want to die of cancer. They don't want to have cancer. They want to hang around cancer. And so this is a great book that you can read and also give to people out there in the community. Uh, I, I want to share this morning on the subject of being a missionary in your own community. Really, I should call it evangelize or fossilize. If you don't go out and do what God has called you to do, then really you have a problem and so does the rest of the world. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, 15 to 16, it says this, and he gave, uh, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is our responsibility to preach the gospel. The gospel is really the good news. I was in bed last night and I'm just thinking about good news. If somebody uh, fell in love, a couple fell in love like we did when we were 19 years old and, and then I asked Susie to marry me, I think that's the way it went or maybe Susie told me we're going to get married, I'm not sure now. And... Uh, And as soon as you get married, what do you do? You go out and spread the news. You tell your friends. You're in your family. You tell your brothers and sisters. If you play sport, you tell someone in your sports club. You tell your next door neighbours. And and you work, you tell them all. And if you, like somebody came along and said, oh, I want to give you a Tats Lotto uh, card. And, you know, I saw it on TV on on, on, on a commercial. It's going at $6 million an hour now. 60 million, sorry darling, 60 million. If somebody gave you a Tats Lotto card and it won, what would you do? You'd be ringing everybody. Isn't that true? You would be. Well, I'll tell you something more important than getting engaged and winning Tats Lotto, it's meeting Jesus. The good news, that's all good, but the best news is being born again. And what we do, we have a responsibility to tell 
the world. It says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Even though, as Christians, we need to be in prayer constantly. You know the Bible says to constantly be in prayer. We do not have to pray about some things. People think they've got to pray about everything. Well, I don't pray about everything. I pray about the things I need to pray about. But I'll tell you what I don't pray about. I don't pray about the things that God writes in his word for us to do. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to say, well, God, I've got to pray about um, sharing the gospel or some people pray about going out and doing naughty things or cheating and stealing. You don't have to pray about the Bible. What you have to do is believe it and do it. Believe it and do it. But you need to pray for people who are out there in the world and they don't know Jesus. I believe that God's word is absolute. When God's word says, thou shalt not, you're not thinking about, well, maybe you should or shouldn't on, on, on the weekend. No, God's word is absolute. God is light. God is truth. God is good. And so everything we read in God's word, like go ye in the world and preach the gospel, is an absolute commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a scripture in the Bible and I like to read it in both the uh, New King James and the uh, um, Old King James, or just the King James. It says here in Luke chapter 19, 13, Jesus said, So he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. The word occupy is uh, military terminology. Generally, when one nation conquers against another nation, the battle's won, it's all over Red Rover, but the troops are left there to occupy. Let me read it to you from what the Word says here in the New King James, New King James Version. It says, Do business till I come. We are in business we are in the God kind of business. God left, Jesus left and went back to heaven. He said, do business till I come back again. Occupy. And the way we do that is we share the good news of the kingdom. I tell people that God didn't leave us down here on earth to take up space. He left us down here to get on with business. People think, well, I'm in business. Uh, I'm, I'm in the building business or I'm in the roads business or I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm in the teaching business. And, and that's what we do in our spare time. But the majority of our life should be winning souls. Because the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. I don't want to try to interpret the opposite to that. He who doesn't win souls, I don't know. Some time ago, his pastor was, uh, he stole my thunder this morning about <coughs> my testimony. I want to tell you about my dad. My dad was a sinner. Uh, my dad um, uh, was a heavy smoker. He was a very heavy drinker. He loved to fight. He used to go down to the pub every night and uh, have a, a punch-up. And uh, my dad was an Australian wrestler. Um, my uncle was, won the Australian uh, middleweight championship uh, as wrestling. He's got one of those great big um, belts here. Uh, and everything about Dad, Dad just liked to do sin and be naughty and all those kinds of things. 
Now, Dad's smoking. Um, I, I don't think that people who smoke go to hell. I, I mean, that's just a thing that can, can affect your health and so forth. But, but Dad was so bound by it. He used to get us kids, us two boys, he'd take us down uh, to the street on a Saturday night where they had the movie theatre. And when the uh, interval went back and everybody had been smoking out there, Dad would get us boys to pick up all the butts in the street so that he could take them home and cut the ends off and roll your own. That was my dad. That's all my dad thought about was him and doing what was naughty. And, and, and so anyway, one day uh, he was working, uh, building these air conditioners and uh, having a bad time and they were very wide and he had to hold it here and put a screw in here or put a bolt in over there and he just wasn't wide enough. Uh, and he was using it for a few, um, you know, classy words and this man walked in through the, the, the door. And his name was Keith Rapkins. And Keith was a born-again Christian, but Dad didn't know that. And Keith knew my dad, and he said, Oh, Mick, he said, um, you're having a bad time there, buddy. Can I, can I give you a hand? And Mick said, No. My dad said, No, don't, don't, don't want you to help me at all, because Dad was thinking, if, if he helps me, this is going to cost me some money. But Keith said, No, I, I just want to give you a, a free day. I'll give you a day, no charge, just to help you. And in my dad's brain it was saying, come in sucker, you know, I'll use you for a day. So they worked together and they got so much done, my dad was so pleased and, and then all of a sudden, at the end, my dad walked across the um, factory floor and he reached out and he, he took um, Keith by the hand, he said, Keith, thank you so much. If there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. In 1956, the handshake of an Aussie bloke was more binding than a written contract is today. You didn't go back on your word in 1956. And Keith turned around and said, Thanks, Mick. There is something you can do for me. Can you come to church tonight? <coughs> My dad wished he didn't go to work that day. My dad wished he'd locked the front door of the factory. But now he'd shaken hands. He had to keep his word. So he comes home, grabs us two boys, shoves us in the bath and says, if I got to go to church and be punished, you're going to have to go to church with me. <laughs> so we go to church. I thought it was a circus. It was a great big tent in Moore Park in Sydney. We go in and they start singing. I like the singing. <coughs> then Oral Roberts starts to preach and he preached at our level. I, as kids, we could understand it. And as Pastor said at the end of the service, Everyone stood up. And old Robert said, if you've been convicted by the Holy Ghost, well, Dad didn't even know who the Holy Ghost was, but the Holy Ghost was at work. He said, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Lord, receive me, forgive me of my sins. His pastor said he took my hand, my brother's hand, hold him down like this. We weren't going to get mixed up with this American holy roller. But something happened. The Bible says when the word of God is preached, the Holy Ghost convicts men of their sins, draws men unto God. Dad didn't understand that, but there was something happening here and here. Dad turned around. As old Robert said, put your hand up now. And he went like that. We all got born again. I'll tell you, I was a little bit concerned going home in the car that night because the man we came with wasn't the man we went home with. 
The language changed. Everything changed. Dad became a full-on, born-again Christian from that day on. Stopped reading all those other stuff and newspapers. He started reading the Word of God. He had the biggest library I've ever seen of Christian books, ever. Isn't that a great story? <coughs> God is a good <coughs> God. That meeting was not a coincidence. That meeting was a Holy Ghost incident. Sometimes you meet people <coughs> and you think, oh, it's just a coincidence. We're bumping into each other today. No, it's not. It's already programmed before you even left that morning. I remember one time Sus Susie wins so many people to the Lord. Susie just witnesses because she loves Jesus. Susie goes into a coffee shop and says, Lord, where am I going to sit down and have a coffee? Goes down over there to, next to a lady. She says, can I sit here and have a coffee? Yes. Um, then shares the gospel. That lady still rings up. How many years ago was that, sir? 15 years. Still rings her up. Oh, hi, Susie. What's her name, Faye? Uh, Kay, um, I need prayer. I've got to go see the doctor today. Every Christmas, gets a card from, from Kay. And then one day, Susie <coughs> was on a train. Never been on a train before. She didn't even know how to use a ticket. And she gets on the train and she goes, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And the man says, oh, uh, this is what you do. And Susie said, and he says, oh, I'm looking for enlightenment. I think I'm going to go out and follow Buddha, didn't he, sir? Yeah? And what did you say? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. He's better. Guy gets born again. On the train. She's only on the train for how long? Five minutes? <coughs> Doesn't take long. You've just got to have the joy of the Lord in your heart. And so, yes, son? Yeah, off the train. I mean, uh, God... God wants you. You know, you think, I can't witness to that person, they swear. Well, when Jesus was walking down the Sea of Galilee one time, the, 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 the fishermen were in the boat and, and Jesus went over to them and uh, won them to the kingdom and, and uh, they were known as the sons of thunder. What do you think they were known as the thunder, sons of thunder for? <laughs> because they're fishermen. They're probably putting hooked through their fingers and saying, blankety blank. And Jesus said, oh, they're just the people I want. And the people that you meet and work with, play sports with, uh, go, to, go, go to school with, whatever, they're the people that Jesus <coughs> wants. Don't give up on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God are still infallible. You're never ever going to miss it when you follow Jesus. I, I, I know this, it doesn't matter what you do, you've got to work. If you don't work, you've got to work at marriage, you've got to work at business, you've got to work at your ministry, work at your Christian life. <coughs> and one time ago, it was a few years ago now, <coughs> what was it, 15, 16 years ago, Susie said, let's, let's um, move to a new house. And so we bought a block of land right off on top of the hill, uh, just behind Movie World. And beautiful views, and, and so... We had the house built and Susie said, now I want a garden. All girls like gardens and flowers. And, and so I want a garden. So I said, okay. So I went and bought myself one of these picks, you know, like this. And I went out the back and I went like this. And it didn't go even this much through the dirt because there was no dirt. All it was was rock. It's huge rocks. 
and I said, I can't do a garden because there's no soil here on our property. And Susie goes out, she buys me a birthday present. What do you think she buys me? Jackhammer. Jackhammer. So I jackhammer all these great big holes, a metre deep. I fill it up with mulch, I fill it up with mushroom mulch, I fill it up with cow poop, I fill it up with dirt, and I mix it all up. We planted a garden, and guess what? It's probably the nicest garden in our whole area, whole suburb. We've got trees all around it because I had to do a lot of work. And Susie said, thank you, darling. Then one day, a man walks past. I'm out the front doing something. We had about 200 gladioli. You know what gladioli are? Growing just in the front garden there. Right? He comes along. He says, oh, he said, your garden is so beautiful. He says, every time I walk by, I look at your garden. I think, how great is this garden? And he said, but I don't know what back the backyard looks like. In the backyard, we've got all these trees. We've got flowers. We've got everything. We've got a waterfall. And we've got fish swimming around. And, and so anyway, I said, oh, well, come on in. I'll give you a look. And he walks around. He's in awe. We've got one tree that hangs down with, uh, what do you call these, trumpets, trumpet lily tree, uh, maybe 200 trumpet lily growing down at one time, all pink. And he's looking and he's going, oh my goodness. He said, you should thank God. God gave you such a beautiful garden. And you know what I said to him? And I've been disrespectful. I said to him, you should have seen it when God had it on his own. Not being rude. God gave me a plot of land, but God said, hey, you've got to work at it. <laughs> you're in business now. If you want a garden, you're in business. You've got to work at this. You've got to work at this. So, we grew everything. Now, now what have we done? We've, 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 we've just um, put in a worm farm to feed the flowers and we've just put in a whole beehive to pollinate. You've got to keep on working. You don't do it and then it just stops. You've got to keep on working. Make your garden look beautiful. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, the Bible says this, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. There's a lot of people out there in the world that want something like what you've got, but no one's telling them. We think that, no, we can't do that because, you know, um, they're not really good kind of people to take to heaven with you. Or they, they say bad things and they do bad things. It doesn't matter what they say and do, they're ready. They're ready. And God wants you to go and be nice people. Not to be big time preachers, but to be nice people that they will see the joy of the Lord. And they'll want, that's what they see about Susie. I'm still married to Sue after 54 years because she's a nice person. Sometimes some human being, Christians, have the attitude they are not capable to lead a sinner to the Lord. Well, I want to say it really plain. That's a lie of the devil. You can be the oldest, youngest, shortest, tallest, skinniest, fattest person in the whole wide world and God's given you a ministry to go out and preach the gospel and when you preach the gospel, I want you to know you're not alone. You're on God's team. And when you go, and even when you walk by uh, an unbeliever, Holy Ghost is with you, leading and guiding you. But sometimes we're not really listening that much. 
The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive. <coughs> it doesn't say if you're a good boy. It doesn't say if you're a good cook. It says if you believe. If you want to believe the Word of God, <coughs> you've got to spend as much time as you can reading the Word of God. If you don't read the Word of God, you won't know what the Word of God says and then you won't be able to believe the Word of God. But the Word of God says, if you believe. Are you a believer today? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the world. Some people, what they want to do, they only want to go to this, uh, other parts of the world and be a missionary in Africa or wherever. God wants you to be a missionary every day, everywhere you go. My dad was a great example of being a witness. He went to the bank to get a loan one day. I don't know if he got the loan, but he got the manager saved in the bank. Got him down on his knees in the office, on the carpet, and led him to the Lord. <coughs> but I remember one day my dad said to me, I was only about this high, Dad said to me, come on, we're going for a walk. So I just obeyed my dad. I, you know, started walking outside and up the street. And said, Where are we going, Dad? He said, we're going to win somebody to Jesus today. Jesus got someone ready for us so that we can tell that person about his love and forgiveness. And so we walked right up this street, right up to the top, and then along the top, didn't see anybody, didn't have a witness. And we're starting to walk down this hill back towards our home and there was a man washing, I remember it was a red Wolseley car. Anybody remember the Wolseley cars? Thank you, thank you. You're not 18, are you? No. Uh, and so anyway, he's washing his car and polishing it up and Dad says, that's the man. That's the man. God's told me, that's the man who we need to share the gospel with. Not hard. But Dad went out with a purpose, to win someone to the Lord. So he comes up, and the guy's name was um, um, Roy Matthews. Anybody know Roy Matthews? You may, maybe, probably not. Uh, he lives on the Sunshine Coast now. Uh, he, he, he tells Roy about Jesus and sin and how God had um, saved him and brought him out of darkness into light. And Roy's going, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. You know what some people are like? Not listening, not interested. He told me to get my grubby hands off his car because he just polished it. But it didn't, it didn't affect my dad. Dad just kept on sharing the gospel. Finally, this guy turns around and says, look, I'm not really interested in what you're saying, but I think my landlady in there needs God. She needs God. So I'll tell you what I'll do. You go and tell my landlady about God, and if she comes to church tonight, I'll go with you to, you know, <coughs> pardon me, just to be there. So my dad walks in through the house, says to the lady, excuse me, ma'am, this young man out here, Roy, he really needs God. He's, he's got problems, and he really needs God, and he said he'll only go to church tonight if you go. The lady wasn't a Christian, but she said, what time, what time does it start? <laughs> so Roy comes to church. And Roy gives his heart to the Lord in church that night. And I'll tell you why. Because God's interested in Roy. God's interested in your family. And um, uh, 
He's interested in your friends and your next door neighbour. He's interested. And Roy gives his heart to the Lord. But where did it take Roy? Well, he gets saved, he marries a Christian girl, he goes to Bible school. Then he goes to New Guinea as, as a missionary in Papua New Guinea. I saw him in New Guinea because I knew him as a boy. And that man today, how old would Roy be today, sir? He's 12 years older than me, 82, 83. He still does missions work. Goes to church every Sunday. He still loves God. And he still brings people to the Lord. You see, the thing is, it's what, what I call a multiplication game. You can win someone to the Lord, or you can witness, and that person can give the Lord five, to the, their hearts to the Lord five years later, and then they just go out and win other, everybody else. You will never, ever know how many people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you shared the gospel with someone on a bus or someone on a train or someone next door. You will never know, but God knows. And that book's filling up and filling up and filling up. But you know what? I always think it's a pageless book. Not pageless, but there's, you, there's just so many pages. You never run out of names. Never run out of names. And God is interested in forgiving the people that you love. But honestly, we've got to stand up and be counted. We've got to stand up and say, yep, my turn. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and share the gospel with that person with that person. <coughs> In the book of John, chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. It's, it's a cooperation. It's a partnership between you and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wants to move on, but, but, but he wants us to lead the way. Jesus, when he went out doing his ministry, he could have done it all on his own, but he didn't. He went and got 12 helpers. It was God and man working together as partners. Now, there's a scripture in the book of Matthew I want to quote, but before I do, I just want to tell you a few things about Susie. Uh, Susie she came to me one time and she said, honey, you're out there preaching all the time and I want to preach too. She said, so I'm going to ask the Lord to give me a heart for the lost. So, okay, what happens? She develops his heart and she says, Lord, send me. Then doors are opening up all over the place. She met our neighbour across the road. Neighbour wasn't really interested. And uh, then one day, after a year or two, this lady knocks on the door. And she says, Sue, can you come and pray for my friend, Sue? The other girl's name was it. What was her name, Sue? Across the Donna. Donna says, can you please come and pray with my friend, Sue? She's been diagnosed with terminal cancer and may only have a year to live. How long ago was that, sir? 25 years? 25 years. When we first moved to Rubina. So Sue goes over. They get saved. They have a Bible study every week. For what, years, didn't they, sir? Two years. Every week. 
Did you know that you have the capacity and the capability of being able to share the gospel on, on, uh, once a week to people across the road? Didn't have to use any petrol, <coughs> straight across the road and into the things of God. And that lady who was diagnosed with cancer to die within two years is still alive and got rid of cancer and doing well today. Someone who got saved, someone gets healed, all because you had the, I'll say it Susie's way because she's English, intestinal fortitude. I was going to say guts, but I don't want to get in trouble when I go home. Because you've got the guts to turn around and say, uh, can I tell you about Jesus? I can promise you now, anybody that's just been given a death sentence by a doctor is more than happy to talk to a Christian because they're wondering what's going to happen when the door closes. You with me on that? So, so Susie then says, well, okay, um, uh, I just don't want to share just with someone across. I want to share with everybody. Susie goes walking every uh, Wednesday morning with a pastor on the Gold Coast and they pray for all the people in our community. And doors open. Just recently, uh, a girl across the road on, we've got quite a few notes because we're in a cul-de-sac, across the road, we're out there doing some work and she comes over and she says, hello, and we get to talking. She says, you're, you're pastors, aren't you? I said, yes, because we gave them some CDs for Christmas ones, Christian ones, of course. And so she said, oh, she says, um, I believe in God. And we said, oh, that's good. She says, yeah, my little boy's with God. I want to go to be and see my little boy. So Susie talks a little bit, and then Susie sends one of our books over, a New Guinea book. This is about, what, eight, six weeks ago? Now the lady comes and knocks on the door, didn't she, this week? And uh, they're going out for coffee sometime in the next five days. Susie says, well, I want to I wanna meet people. Where do I go? Where do people go? They go to all different places. So she goes to the gym, gets the family saved. Then she says, oh, I might go to the um, uh, indoor bowls. I don't go to indoor bowls. But she says, I go to indoor. She gets people saved. People are walking along the curb. She gets that lady saved and three, two of other friends and they're all in church today. It's not impossible because people are looking for the truth. And the Bible says the summer's ended. Harvest has come and we're still not saved. We've got to go out and do some reaping. We've got to reap in the harvest. Reap the harvest. So one time, better read the scripture, Matthew chapter 22, verse 9. It says, Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. We're having a wedding soon with our son and his fiancée. We're not going to invite the whole neighbourhood because, you know, it's just a family deal. But there's a wedding coming up in the, in the kingdom. It's a wedding. We're having a wedding feast. And Jesus said, go everywhere. Go to your neighbours, go to your friends, go to your rallies, go to your in-laws, go to your outlaws, all of them, and win them to the Lord. So one day, we had... A problem in our home, we, we had, uh, and you guys know Lenny, don't you? 
and came to Bible school here. So we had a problem with white ants and Susie called the white ant man. But Susie's in prayer. She says, I want to tell everybody I meet about God if, it's, if I'm led to. Right? And so this white ant man come. Now, he was a murderer. He killed ants, little white ants. That's what his business was, murderer. So he gets out of his big white van, <coughs> walking towards the door, and this unsaved man, what was his background, Sue? Mother was a Buddhist. Dad was a non-going Catholic, right? Not going to church. Susie's inside the house. I was, I was away somewhere. And as the man walks to, Lenny walks to our door, he hears this voice. You will not leave this house the way you came. He turned around and walked back to his van. Wanted to know who was talking to him. But there was no one there. So he comes back again. <coughs> and as he gets to the door, he hears his voice again. You will not leave this house the way you come. Did you know, if you're going to witness to somebody, the Lord's going to prepare them. It's going to be the perfect day for you to witness. Someone could be dying in the family. Some child could be on drugs. Some young girl could have just fallen pregnant and not married within the family. God's got the right time for you to be the witness. Witnessing is not like a messed up jigsaw puzzle. It's so simple. Lenny knocks on the door, gives his heart to Jesus. Then comes along here to the Rhema Bible School. There was another girl that I heard you talking to pastor's wife today. 20 years before, this girl, a Greek girl, turns around and says, uh, Susie witnesses to her, and her name's Tina. Susie witnessed to Tina 20 years before. Then we don't hear a thing. 20 years go by and a lot of history. And this girl remembers the words 20 years later. Rings Susie up out of the blue. We're on the Gold Coast and the girl's in Brisbane. And she says, Sue, can you come and tell me about Jesus again? Susie leads her to the Lord, brings her to Rhema the following Sunday. And that day, they talked about baptism, and the following Sunday, she came back and got baptised here. Isn't that wonderful? It's not a big effort. In fact, let me tell you, witnessing people takes a load off your, 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 your back. It really, really does. I want to I just finish with another testimony. Because we're all called to be witnesses and you may never ever know what happens when you share the gospel with somebody. One of our youth leaders in Darwin, his name was Gus, or is Gus, and after Cyclone Tracy and a lot of hippies came to uh, Darwin, they didn't live in houses, they just went down by the beach and they lived in what we call the long grass, long grass all up the hills and everything. And our young man from our church went down 
and started just sharing the good news with these hippies. I mean, hippies are going nowhere backwards, right, really. Not, they've got nothing to live for, really. They're, and and the, the, these kids, <coughs> I'll tell you what they were on. They were on alcohol uh, and drugs, heavy on drugs and fornication. That's what they did. They just laid around the sand beaches. And Gus came down and he shared the gospel. Didn't get a whole long way with them, but one day one guy said, <coughs> look Gus, if you really believe in God and you really believe in doing the good, good things for God, you come down and pick us up on Thursday and take us to the dole office because we don't have a car, or we'll give our heart to Jesus for you. I mean, that's not really too solid, is it? But Gus turned up, and the guy was surprised that Gus turned up, but because all they do out there, people, they lie, but Gus told the truth. Gus kept his promise, and he picked them up, and he drove them all the way to the dole office, and then uh, they got their money, and he drove them back to the beach. I don't even know if Gus knows the rest of this story. But about eight years ago, I was um, down in South Australia ministering. And as the pastor invited me up to speak, I saw a, a couple come in through the back door with three girls. And mum and the three girls all had the same coloured dress. Mum had made the dresses. And they all sat down in the back. And somewhere in my message, I must have mentioned the city of Darwin. We'd, we'd lived there. And after the whole service was over, this man came up and said, Hi. He said, uh, so you were in Darwin? I said, yes. He said, how long? I told him. And I said, uh, he said to me, well, do you know a guy called Gus Fenner? I said, yes. He was one of our youth leaders. Why do you ask? Because I didn't know who he was. Or he said, I was living down the long grass, sleeping with this girl, drinking, smoking pot, out of my mind all the time. And Gus, he told the rest of the story. I said, what do you do today? He said, I'm a semi God pastor. Thank God for Gus Fenner. Gus had the intestinal fortitude, according to Susie, to just share a little bit of love. Everybody wants a little bit of love, or if not, a whole lot of love. And so this man gave his heart to Jesus. I want to give you a scripture, and then I'm going to close. They probably don't have it up on the board. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come along just to bump into a few occasional people and say, oh, do you, do you, want, to, do you want to know my father? No, he didn't do that. He said he came to seek. He came looking. Came looking for those. I'd like everybody just to bow their heads, close their eyes. And I don't know <coughs> who people are here. I know the pastor and his wife and two or three other people, but I don't really know a whole lot of people here. So I don't know what your status in life is. But I want to tell you very clearly there was a Jesus and there is a Jesus today. He was a good saviour. But can I ask you, everyone, just close your eyes and I just want you to imagine right now 
that Jesus came and he was on the cross. Can you just, just see him on the cross right now? One man on the cross and a world full of people with their feet on the ground and Jesus was there for every one of them, including you, including you. They'd beaten him, put a crown of thorns on his head, hung him by nails through the hands and feet. They put a spear through his side and the blood came out. He was there for you. Everybody, but including you. He even knew that you were going to be here today, 2,000 years ago. He said, I'm reaching out to the whole wide world, but I want to reach out to the individual as well. I'd like to ask you, he accepted you back there on the cross. Would you accept him today? Can you just say with no one looking around, no one can see your, your hands wherever they are, but I, I just want to ask you today, if you want to ask God to forgive you and be a part of the greatest family in the world, can you just reach your hand up just for half a second? Let me see your hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And I want somebody who's one of the um, uh, leadership in the church just to pray with this lady. Can, can, do you want to stand up and come forward for me? The person who put your hand up, just, just come forward. Don't be embarrassed. I had to do it once and twice. And, is that all right? Okay, thank you very much. God bless you. And do we have someone to come and pray as well? Yeah, God bless you. Oh, here's a gentleman. Let me pray for everybody. Father, we thank you today in the name of Jesus Christ that you're our Lord and Saviour. Your word was given to us and written for us so that we would not just read it, but we would believe it. We would become a doer of the word. And so, Lord, I trust that you would just bless this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Susie, can you come bring a couple of things up for me? Just quickly, I want to show you <coughs> what we've done. Are you going to come up here with me? Yeah, come on. This is Susie, my employer. Susie and I have written a few books. I'm probably the least person in the world to write a book um, because of my background, but um, I want to show you uh, a, a few books. First of all, let me say, um, I'm actually... Uh, uh, Jewish. Um, my grandparents were Jewish, and so I have a table up there with my books on it, which is a blue tablecloth. Susie's English, uh, and she's a Gentile Christian, and she's got a yellow tablecloth. And Susie's stolen, Susie's stolen half my books. She takes it from my side, like this one is normally twenty to fifty, and she says it's a good book, so I want to sell it for ten. So anything on that side is good book, but half a price. 
right? So, so this is the book. We've got a few books here because Christmas is coming up. You know, a lot of people are running around the stores trying to buy it just before Christmas, the day before, trying to get something for Grandad or Nano or whatever. But, but these here, um, this is Write the Vision Journal, um, and it's just a beautiful book here. You write down in there like it starts off with people to, to pray for salvation, and you write down their names, their phone number, and, and after a while you get the book half full, and you don't know who's in there anymore. And so you just pray, pray over them, lift them up before the Lord. And we've got people who need to be healed, people who need to live for the Lord. So that's that one there. <coughs> and then um, the other Christmas ones, well, they're all Christmas ones, I think. Uh, this is the book that I did. Susie's done one very similar with an eagle on it. Um, this is called Stretch for Success. We believe that your church is a church of excellence. But we all need to get further, close together and work together. And it's just a book of my quotes. The first one says, the great thing about teamwork is that everywhere you look, someone's on your side. Isn't that good? And so it just opens up like this with, it's a coffee table book. Uh, Reputation takes years to build and only minutes to destroy. It, you should give this to your kids. <laughs> she said to me after I did the book, she said, I'm going to write a better book than yours. Yours has got quotes in it. Mine's got scriptures. This book here is a book that my daughter and I, I did. Um, it's only a two-page uh, book, uh, uh, sort of reference book, and it's got um, um, a thing like Noah's Ark, and then it does all the history of Noah's Ark, all right? And it goes all the way through to uh, the pyramids. And you may not know, know this, but Joseph built the first pyramid in the world. And the first pyramid was found, didn't have um, uh, pharaohs in it, it had all these silos for wheat and grain. Did you know that? So, lots of things you've got. This one here is uh, on my health. I've got a whole book of, uh, set of books on health up there. Um, this one here, if you want a good book to read, especially over Christmas, this is our life story of uh, being missionaries in Papua New Guinea. It's called The People That Time Forgot. We lived with um, and ministered to the cannibals in New Guinea. Uh, and seeing lots of things happen, lots of healing, lots of salvations, uh, and people being raised from the dead. Uh, other things that you can get for all year round, you're going to bring that chart up, sir, is we've got CDs with beautiful music. Just anointed Christian music there. Uh, and then we've got some kids' books up there. If you've got kids or grandkids, um, have a look at these. And I've got a series of books. Um, uh, these are what we call our mini books. And this one here is Hearing the Voice of the Lord. Very, very popular because a lot of people say, I'd like to hear God's voice, but I don't know how to hear it. I've never heard it. Let me tell you, you have. You just haven't recognized his voice. So that one is a set of four. The other three books are uh, New Testament subjects, but I write from the Old Testament uh, Hebrew um, scriptures and, you know, stuff like that. And then this is, how many people have seen this? Most people have seen it. Um, I call this the I am, uh, I am who I am because God said I am. Susie, being English, calls it the Dunny Door poster. You can get them just in paper or you can get them laminated. Most people are getting laminated now because they never wear it. Yeah, I was just going to tell them that, honey. There's two different kinds, she said. She said. There's another one, I am the great I am. And then we've done another one. It's an Australia chart. And my daughter did that. It's just beautiful. We've had schools by 200 of them at the time. They're not even Christian schools, just to get the kids speaking good. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au. 